And welcome back. This is Focus Target, the podcast. I'm your host, Smiley, and uh, with me as always are my good friend, Shine Van. How you doing, fellas? Hello. Buenos Aires. Buenos Aires, indeed. Um, now that we've offended all of our uh, Hispanic listeners by mocking their language. <laughs> and uh, Buenos Aires get, listeners. Uh, and Buenos Aires people in Brazil <laughs> not having this. We're losing our fan base. <laughs> All right, this is the eighth episode, and for the eighth episode, we want to do something that has nothing to do with the number eight, which is talk about some of the games that we're playing uh, currently, some of the games that are in our consoles and on our computers, and just kind of go through some of the stuff that we've been busy with and uh, some of the stuff maybe that we're looking forward to. Before we get into that, and before we get into everybody's favorite question of the day, I have a little bit of a a little bit of a cleanup that we need to put in today. Uh, in the last podcast, we had a question of the day, which was asking which of our favorite female video game characters we, we all had. And somehow I was informed by one of our faithful listeners that I had neglected to mention, even though I meant to, that that particular question of the day was actually submitted by one of our listeners, my beautiful girlfriend, Sarah, and so I want to give her the accolades she deserves and see if she'll make me let me stop sleeping on the couch for forgetting to give her credit <laughs> to the, Good for uh, her. the question I didn't know that was That's awesome. Yes, she suggested that, which I thought was an amazing question. Yeah, and it was. The uh, other cleanup we had is, I think last time in our Destiny podcast, we had talked about how you could, if you st- stand in water and aim your gun down and shoot your own foot, it would actually deal damage to you. But my understanding, I'm being informed hot off the press that with the new Taken King expansion, this has been rectified. Is that accurate? Yeah, that is accurate. Um, I found out during one of our um, Crota's End raids. Actually, it was it was post-patch, not post-Taken King. So for those of you who downloaded 2.0, which was everybody's playing Destiny now. But um, we were doing Crota just one last time before uh, Taken King came out and everybody's, um, you know, levels uh, went up to 40. We wanted to have some fun. So we were in there. We we're trying to kill ourselves to push the phase so that, you know, one of our new guys who joined us come in. We went to the water, tried to shoot myself, and I couldn't see my foot through the water. So I thought maybe that's not why. Sure enough, went out to um, Venus, shot my foot where I can see it in the water. No damage whatsoever. And it's been uh, corroborated by a few other players too. So we kind of guys got you guys' hopes up thinking you'd go try out a cool trick in Destiny. I hope you went and did it right away. If not, your uh, opportunity has forever been lost. It worked so. when we talked about it. <laughs> so uh, that's that's good for the cleanup, a little bit more than usual. So we're going to jump into our question of the day. Question of the day today, gentlemen, is what is your favorite gaming peripheral? Let me start with Van. Van, what was your favorite gaming peripheral? My favorite gaming peripheral is going to take us way back, um, and, and it's probably no surprise that it has to do with the Super Nintendo, seeing as how that was, um, as I mentioned, one of my favorite uh, consoles of all time. So it was actually the Super Nintendo Super Scope 6, and what it was, Super for those Scope? of you who don't know, is it was this um, bazooka-looking shoulder, you know, shoulder-fired um obviously fake cannon that you would use exactly like the same gun you use for duck hunt but this was a shoulder firing rocket and it had a little scope that you would look through so one i would go through your scope like you're like you're aiming through any type of rifle scope and you would aim it at the screen and it had like a little you know targets in inside the screen and um a little aimer on the on the front nose of the scope so you'd go from the circle to the aimer and you would point it anywhere on the screen and it was just super cool obviously when i'm playing super nintendo i'm I'm super young as well there's a lot of supers going on but the super scope six was my favorite there was some really fun games it just um added to 
The now, how, how many games were there for it? Like I know I there was the one. One. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's what I was gonna say. I was like, what other games actually took advantage of that particular peripheral? Yeah, um, it, it, I'm I'm looking at a list of compatible games, and maybe some of you guys played them, but there was Battle Clash, Bazooka Blitzkrieg, The Hunt for Red October. Um, and so on. Evidently, Lemmings. I don't know how that would work. What? But yeah, <laughs> Operation Thunderbolt, and then of course Super Scope Six came with its own game when you bought the yes. Super Scope, and that's yeah. the one I that's, played. Mm, that's the one I'm familiar with. I never yeah. had one, but I remember the commercials of like the kid like popping up from behind the couch yes! with the Super Scope and being like, "Oh, yes, it was pretty cool." So it was just it was just a lot of fun. It was a, it was a good time for gaming in my life. It was on one of my favorite consoles, so I had to go with the Super Scope Six. Fair choice. What about you, Shy? Favorite gaming peripheral? Well, um, I have never really owned a cool gaming peripheral, I have to admit. So uh, I kind of went with more of a, a shout-out on this one, and one that I always wanted to own, and I always thought was really cool. But uh, I don't know, I'm sure you guys have never heard of this game, but there was a game that came out, um, I believe in early 2000s, called Steel Battalion for the Xbox One. I have mech, heard of the a game. A mech game. Um, it came with it was a two hundred dollar game, and it came with a forty button controller, Good God. including two joysticks and like a three pedal add on that would plug into it. But it was probably, from what I understand, one of the most realistic mech simulators you can own, like in a home, like you know, without like building something like custom, what was it like a booth called Steel Battalion. Steel um, Battalion. Steel Battalion. Um, so uh, it was really cool. So actually, yeah, it came out on September twelfth, two thousand two. Um, but uh, but um, one of the cool things about it was not only was it you know, like just like it was just this idea of this thing was just ridiculous at the time. But one, of the, it was very intense from my understanding. It was a very realistic sim, and apparently one of the ways that it would work was it was actually an eject button. It was actually an eject button on the on the peripheral. And if you were in the middle of combat and your mech was going down and you didn't eject in time, you would actually lose your save progress <laughs> because like Dang. it was like building off of like that like Sweet brutal mercy. that like brutal like kind of like reality of the game so i don't know it's just it was a game i always want to try out obviously i think at the time i was uh i was in college and i was like there's no way i could ever afford this game but uh but it's something that always really i thought was just really cool that like a company actually went with it and uh you know went all, all right the way. we're getting it for our next get together oh man that would be crazy <laughs> that would be crazy we need that uh, no xboxes are allowed in my place though so i hope you're not planning on doing it well here. i guess it'd have to be at shy or somebody yeah. else's then xboxes ew anyway i'm sorry all our xbox listeners i'm always bashing xbox is not right um i'm gonna answer my own question now uh, my favorite gaming peripheral was also for the super nintendo because like van i'm a fanboy and it was the super game boy uh which was a which was a cool little cartridge that looked just like a super nintendo game but where you would normally see the the game uh you know little sticker that had the game insignia on it there was a little hole where you could plug in your old game boy games and actually play them using a super nintendo controller on the tv this was really cool because if any of you are old enough to remember the original Game Boy, you'll remember it was on a dinky little screen. It wasn't color, like it was all gray and green and weird looking. And it, the the old Game Boy too was kind of bulky. It sucked up batteries like nobody's business. So being able to plug in some of those really quality Game Boy games on and play them on your Super Nintendo was a, was a real treat. And uh, by extension, I would also mention there was an equivalent plug-in for the GameCube that I had, which let you play Game Boy Advance and Game Boy games on your on your GameCube later on. So, a very cool little thing. I'm big about being able to play portable games on consoles. I, I like that feature a lot. Yeah, it's pretty neat. 
All right, guys, uh, thanks for answering the question of the day. If you have a question of the day, dear listeners, and wish to submit it, not only will we potentially answer it on the podcast, I will be sure to give you the credit that you deserve, as I have failed to do in the past. I will not repeat that mistake, so drop us a line. We'll have our contact info at the end of the show. So, Smiley, yes. you'd like to play co- or you know portable games on the big screen. I do. Um, what about the other way of playing big screen games on portable and what I'm getting at is the PlayStation Vita. Vita. Do you have any interest in picking that up or does that take uh, a fancy? You know, I do. I, I, I'm, I don't have as much going the other way. I think it would be, it would be a cool thing to have. Uh, it's something I've looked into a little bit. It's, it's really kind of one of those things that I don't feel like I'd use it enough to justify the price of getting, of getting the whole Vita. And also it would be helpful if there were more games on the Vita itself that I was interested in. And granted, I haven't looked recently what kind of maybe the newer stuff that's come out on. But it seems to me that what you tend to want to play more than anything on that is like your old rehash, like Final Fantasy VII and stuff that you have on Virtual Console. And like that's cool, but a lot of those same things I can get on my phone, which I bring everywhere with me anyway, so... Maybe one day in the future. I mean, I think the Vita is uh, is a very cool idea, but I just haven't I haven't gone that far yet. Do you have a Vita, Shy? You do. I I'm do. Pretty sure, right? Yep. Yeah. So I'm the only one here, I guess, who doesn't. I know Van. I've seen his Vita. Hee <laughs> uh, hee. Uh, the percentage, the representation we have on this podcast, though, is not nearly the representation out in the gaming world. <laughs> like no, Vita I, is no, definitely I, a, I imagine not, not a popular product. Well, and again, I think it comes a lot down to what games are, what game do you have on it that you want. Like the problem is, if you want a portable console, the 3DS has a lot of great games. And the Vita, I really struggle to think of great games on the Vita, and a lot of people, myself included, don't really want to pay for two portable consoles, you know, or portable handhelds, so to speak. So we're getting off topic, but that I have a feeling that uh, we could talk about handheld consoles, maybe uh, ding, ding, ding. your appetite future for a future episode. Hmm. Well, Van, hmm. get uh, credit for bringing that up. Yeah, will you give me credit? Uh, probably not. I only give credit to our <laughs> listeners. Not, not that'd be like an inside job, you know. Like, like you can't win the corporate jackpot if you're part of the if you're part of the company you know okay, work that way. okay let's get into what we are playing right here and right now um we're each just going to kind of go through talk about some of the games that we've been we've been into lately and uh hopefully you'll hear something that you find interesting uh, i'm going to start today i usually don't start but i'm just so excited about this game that i i want to make sure there's time for it and so I'm going to talk to you about a, a mobile game, actually, Boo. produced... Oh, uh, don't be like that. I know, it is... Wait, mobile is, as in phone? Phone. An, an iPhone and or Android oh supported game. It's released by Square Enix. It's called Final Fantasy Record Keeper. Uh, it is a free-to-play game. Um, it does offer in-app purchases, which is always a dangerous proposition, as many of you have, have cause to know. Um, but... It's the first game I've ever really played that was designed as a cell phone game that I really liked. And that includes Final Fantasy, uh, was it Zero Type? Type Zero? Typo? Yeah, Type Zero. Uh-huh. Because that was originally designed as a mobile game and then ported to PlayStation 4, and I did not like that at all. So I'm including that in that analysis. Um, Final Fantasy Record Keeper, however, is a, it's a game where you participate in traditional turn-based battle just like any of the Final Fantasy games you may have played in Final Fantasy 1 all the way up through Final Fantasy 13 
to an extent. 13s is a little bit weird, but it, it, it's old school, uh, active, active time battle content that you'd be instantly familiar with. And the draw of it is that you get to go through and fight battles from all, all of the original Final Fantasy games. Uh, starting with Final Fantasy 1 all the way up through, there's actually a Final Fantasy 14 event coming this week. There, there hasn't been anything from Final Fantasy 11 yet, but every other Final Fantasy 1 through 14 has been represented so far. And you get to recruit as you're going through these battles, um, you get to recruit characters from all the previous Final Fantasies as well. So you can put together a party that has Cloud from Final Fantasy 7 fighting alongside Redia from Final Fantasy 4 with your healer being uh, Selfie from Final Fantasy VIII, and then, you know, maybe you plug in Titus from Final Fantasy X and Lightning from Final Fantasy XIII, and, and you, so you can completely customize your party with all kinds of both major and somewhat minor characters from a lot of your favorite Final Fantasy games. That's awesome. So you're, like, interweaving, like, yes. universes and yes. all that stuff. And that's it's really a... what I loved about the uh, Kingdom Hearts series, was mm -hmm. seeing all these characters interact with one another, you know, the people you love from, for different reasons, from different universes, yep. and just seeing their, their you know, the dynamic of them together. And that's cool. That sounds really neat. Yeah, it's 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 pretty, it's it's a pretty cool draw that kind of draws you in, and you kind of get to go through and kind of play through some of the really the storylines of each of these games so you get to have boss fights against you know all your favorite bosses from these games as well and the thing about it that th there's a couple things about it that makes it really good one is they're very faithful to both the music and the combat mechanics in the in the games so when you're playing Final Fantasy 7 you're listening to the Final Fantasy battle music you know like it's not a medley it's like literally it sounds like it's ripped right from the game and when you're fighting the enemies they use the similar attacks and attack patterns that the bosses in the games use they have the same types of attacks they have the same strengths and weaknesses so a lot of times you know that if such and such enemy was weak to lightning in final fantasy 8 chances are it's going to be weak to lightning in final fantasy record keeper they did a really good job of being true to the content that you're that it's that it's bringing through. Uh, the second thing that's really cool about it is there's a lot of kind of collection that goes along with it. So you can build your repository of abilities and weapons, all of which coming from the Final Fantasy universe. And you pretty much everything you do, you're gaining either materia or weapons that you can then used to upgrade other weapons or other abilities so like every time you're fighting in these battles you get drops from enemies and you know there's there's that kind of rpg collection feel where you're constantly like making your team stronger and getting yourself better abilities and better items to better take on the the battles that are ahead and then finally the the thing that I, that's really kind of hooked me into it after i played it for a while was that the game is very challenging um, it really, it, like, it, it is, it's interesting, but a lot of the fights in Final Fantasy Record Keeper were considerably more difficult, I felt, than the fights in the game itself, even with a, a really well-leveled and well-equipped team. It makes you really consider your...
tactics, who you bring into the fights, what abilities they have, what gear they're wearing, and what strategies you use. And there are a number of different strategies, as you imagine, because you can compose your team however you want. Like, if you want to bring five black mage characters to the party and do a mana burn, like, there's no reason you can't bring your five favorite black mages from five different Final Fantasy games and have them all in there, you know, nuking the crap out of stuff. So there's there's a lot of room for trying different things and trying different strategies with different kind of party compositions. And it really has been very engaging. And it's one of those games that feels really good when you're able to knock out a really tough challenge or, or, or you know, beat a really hard boss. It's like, man, like, that was so intense. I can't believe I was able to take that guy down. That was so dope. And usually the rewards are are worth getting as well. So uh, it is free to play. Um, I should warn you that... The in-app purchases can be somewhat addicting because the way they kind of make their money is they, um, you can roll, but you can, you, they actually give you quite a bit of free in-game currency. So you can, there's a, there's a lot of people who play the game, com, you know, true free to play and never spend a dime and, and you definitely can keep up that way. But uh, you get a lot of special weapons and armors that give you special attacks and generally, it can be very, and it's it's kind of a, a gotcha system, you know. It's, it's one of those where you you roll you roll the dice basically and see what you get, and so it, it can be one of those things where if you really want, you know, Cloud's Buster Sword, so he can do his you know braver limit break, you can find yourself maybe spending some money on that sometimes. So approach with caution, but it is free to download. I, I definitely suggest you guys check it out. It's 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 a pretty dope game. I have been looking for a portable game. I actually just picked up um, Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate, and I was hoping to talk about it today, but unfortunately I never got past the character screen, which was way more involved and in-depth than I've seen in any portable gaming oh, um, shy. game itself. Shy. Alert. So, character creation. I know. My ears perked up. It's not, it's not crazy <laughs> where you're changing eye, like, sh like, you're changing eye shape, but it's from a template. It's not like raise the outside up and squint and all oh. that junk. But it was still a lot more in-depth and took me like an hour and a half to create my character, and by then I was falling asleep. But I am looking for a good portable um, game, so I guess in conjunction with that one, which is next to my bed at night, I can have this one on me at all times. So I think I'll check that out. Yeah, and get you definitely back to should. You. you definitely should. Let me know what you think. I'm, I'd be interested to talk to you about it. I can give you the names of a couple of mutual friends who are checking it out as well. Yeah, especially being a Final Fantasy, you know, fan. Yeah. So it just sounds sounds awesome. Yeah, I have a few questions for you, actually, Smiley, concerning Please. the game. Um, Go ahead. So do you feel like, what do you say, I mean, you said it's very challenging, and yet it's also a free-to-play game with microtransactions. I know a lot of games yeah. out there that are free-to-play with microtransactions, they they put up, like, almost like a, a fault, like, a, like they put up a level of challenge, like a wall almost. It's like yes. a, a challenge wall, so that then you are almost have to buy into, the, like, microtransactions or, or pay certain ways. Do you feel like it, that is in any way present in this game, or do you feel like so, it's pretty much completely separate? Uh, no, I... It, it is, and I think I think that's a very valid concern, and that's something that they talk about a lot on the, like the Reddit forums, which I'm a I'm a pretty active member of the Reddit community for Final Fantasy Reddit Record Keeper, because sharing strategies for events and boss fights is actually kind of a big deal, um, and, and that comes up a lot. Like you feel like sometimes if you have bad RNG and you don't get some of the nicer weapons, like it can really hold you back, and that's true. But the game I think does a really good job of like generally you do need some luck with with the rng when it comes or or to spend some money when it comes to if you want to 
you know, be be able to be at the the very cutting edge and and with ease clearing everything. But I've I've spent very little on the game. I I, I usually throw them kind of a dollar a week uh, to support them because they have a like they have a one dollar discounted pull whenever there's an event. So I mean I've, I've spent very little. I haven't really gotten very much out of that. And I'm I was able to clear all the content for the most recent event. So I don't think it's required. I have had some good luck with some of my draws on the in-game currency I was able to earn myself. But I think it kind of depends what you're trying to get out of the game. They do a pretty good job of allowing you to collect the characters uh, you know, that, that you want to recruit without, without needing to really be cutting edge. Generally, if you want to be at the very, you know, clearing the very hardest content with the, with the best scores, what you get for that is like um, items that allow you to craft things more quickly. Right. So it it doesn't feel like it's a wall where you're like, man, I really just I can't enjoy the game or I'm missing out on characters. I really wanted to get on my team. Um, so, you know, like so. So I think there is an element of that, but I, I think it's handled fairly well that unless you're kind of the perfectionist who feels like, man, like I have to have 100 percent completion and do everything and, and always be able to pass all the newest content as soon as it comes out. Unless you're in that boat, you're, you'll probably be okay. And it's actually very approachable to new players. They actually give you um, a, a very high quality weapon when you start the game. That way you've always at least got something to work with. They um, like a lot of the lower level content isn't that difficult. It's really just when you get up to kind of max level and you're trying to min max that it can feel like more of a roadblock. But that, cool. that's a very good question. And I think, I mean, it's kind of, it kind of depends on how your approach to the game is. I had, well, I had one other question for you too, sure, just about please. like, because I mean, you're talking about like recruiting friends, doing challenges, stuff like that. We all know that, like, I mean, I, we say, I say we all know. I have very limited experience with traditional Final Fantasy games, really starting with ten and playing ten and twelve, really being the only single players, I've, single player ones I've put significant time into. But my understanding of a traditional Final Fantasy game is a very strong narrative-based story, questing, going through this world, you know, kind of like ramping up, kind of like we said, some of the um, like mm -hmm. kind of powering up is present this. But is there is there a narrative? Is there like like what do you do when you when you when you get into the game and play it like is there like sure. a storyline that you're following or is it just like weekly challenges that you're trying to complete or, or stuff so like that? so there's two there's two aspects right so the the main portion of the game the, the main overarching storyline is that you know these the, the the main character is kind of an archivist who is who houses all these paintings of the f various Final Fantasy worlds, but something's gone wrong and the paintings are starting to disappear. And so, uh, you know, guess what? You need to go into the paintings and kind of replay. Kind of, if anybody's ever played um, Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories. No, not Chain of Memories. Um, damn, what was it? Um, what console? It was the three, it was three, uh, not 3DS, uh, the DS. Um, Oh man, there, there was a there's a Kingdom Hearts game that was that was a very similar idea that you had to kind of go back and replay scenes from Kingdom Hearts one and two to restore the memories. Um, I forget what it was called. I'll 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 look it up while uh, we have our intermission, or, or maybe I'll it'll come to me. But um, the idea is that you go you're going to go through each of the Final Fantasy games and kind of replay through their storyline to to fix you know what's gone wrong so mm. the game kind of opens with final fantasy 7 and you play the first portion of final fantasy 7 and so what it does is it kind of gives you a little synopsis of the plot and so as you're going through each game you're following the plot line so it's actually kind of cool if there's some final fantasy games out there that you haven't played 
that you don't really think you're ever going to get to, but you'd like to know what the storyline's about. You can kind of go through, you know, maybe Final Fantasy 2 II or 3, which were only ever released in Japan until just recently, uh, and, and you can kind of get an idea of what happened in the game, like who are the main characters, what did they do, and, and it's kind of a cool step-by-step -step thing. And then additionally, each week, there's a, usually every five or six days, there's an event um, that's usually themed around a specific character or maybe two characters. And then there's some bonus dungeons and quests and fights and things like that that you do where, where you have an opportunity to recruit those characters. So a lot of people, I think, just really do the events. They don't do a whole lot of work in the, in the actual storyline because they just like the events more than anything. And other people don't get that into the events and just want to clear the story. So um, they're both kind of there for you. Cool. Well, that actually sounds really neat. And I, like you said, like kind of the fact that it kind of catches you up on Final Fantasy games you missed, that actually sounds pretty appealing for people, someone yeah. like me who hasn't played a majority of the of the games. Sure. The only thing I will I will warn anybody out there, if there are Final Fantasy games that you haven't played but you kind of have always wanted to or maybe see that you'll be playing in the future, there are spoilers, obviously, because it's going straight through the plot. It starts at the beginning and you work through the plot of it. So if that's something that, you know, you're like, man, I'm, I'm holding out on Final Fantasy VII until the remake, maybe you don't want to, you know, have that spoiled for you. So that is something to consider. All right, I've talked enough about Final Fantasy Record Keeper. That was fun. Thanks, guys. It's, I haven't had a lot of people to talk with about this game. It's, it's a fascinating game. I really have spent a lot of time on it lately. Shy, I'm going to go to you. What, is, what has been the game that's been most in, in, your, uh, in your playlist lately, uh, other than perhaps Destiny, which uh, I think we've talked about in the past and is in our future? Well, it's funny because uh, it's kind of, a, it's kind of an, like in op slightly opposition to what you've been kind of sharing with with. Final Fantasy Record Keeper and that like that is a game that builds off like almost like your your life right like the games you played your whole life growing up you know like it all kind of wraps up into this sure. game like this so I've been playing a lot of Mad Max um, the game that got released for next gen consoles um, it was released on September 1st um, at the same day as Metal Gear Solid which uh, some I think everyone would agree was a bad idea um, on Avalanche Studios part but uh, <laughs> um, we may talk about that in a little bit but uh, um, it's just funny because I actually had not pre-ordered this game this game was, wasn't really on my radar at all I'd, I'd had just a little bit of knowledge going ahead of time about it but it was really kind of an impulse buy on my part I knew that Tekken King was still a couple weeks out I knew things were getting a little bit quiet and some of the games I was playing so I was like I really wouldn't like a game to play and, and i saw it was coming out and i'm like and i looked at some stuff i read some um, preview stuff i was like this really seems like it would fill a fill a hole in my in in my gaming um you know field that i really even wanted to pl a game, play a game like this and so uh, i picked it up and man um man i've been having a ton of fun with this game um so i figured what i'll do with you guys i i, I just don't think that the, because it came out the same day as as metal gear solid i feel like there's probably it's probably not getting the same level of exposure as metal gear solid and i think that's probably warranted i, I I'm, I'm sure that metal gear solid is um i would be surprised i would be surprised if it wasn't a better game overall and obviously it has a long and storied history but i figured i would just kind of talk about some of what i view to be the pros and cons of the game um and and what i've enjoyed about it so far um so one of the cool things about the game, and and I guess like, um, I don't know if you guys like. If you, I, I'm not really too steeped in the Mad Max universe. I've seen the first movie, and then I saw the one that came out this summer, Fury Road. So I know a little bit about that that uh, universe. But I guess so. The universe is built off this post-apocalyptic setting where basically you know humanity's ruined the world, and then there's these basically like you know bands of pe people, these groups of people that like basically are just making making uh, you know surviving making making do in the world and so it's all about scarcity it's all about um 
on almost insanity. Like these characters that inhabit these world, these worlds are crazy. And you know, Max is almost not an exception himself. He is also a very, uh, um, he's not really a good guy as you'd understand him. You know, he's kind of almost like a, like an, not really like an anti-hero, but he's not, you know, he's not your traditional, like what, you know, knight in shining armor. Um, but the game, I think does a great job of, of starting you out in, um, in this, in this, in the op- it's in in the world that it's it, that it sets, and I think that's that's something I should mention at first is it's an open world game, um, so uh, it's an open world. I guess what you'd say like kind of like adventure game, and uh, and um, so it starts you out in this world, and it, you really feel like you are starting out with nothing, and you know it slowly starts giving you know gives you a vehicle, and you start getting some resources, and then like it basically just opens the door for you to go, and you can either follow the story or you can follow. Um, there's just like a ton of side quests in this game um, that you can follow along and, and just uh you know just basically check things off your list things to things to do in the game um <clears throat> the uh the one i think my favorite thing in the game is the car combat the so you basically you get a car and 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 one of the key components of the movie series i know is his vehicle is mad max's vehicle um but you get you get this car and and it is it is basically nothing to begin with but as you play you unlock upgrades for it and as you do tasks in the world and 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 accomplish things you unlock the ability to upgrade the vehicle more and and it is and it becomes like it's they it's called the magnum opus in the game um and it is literally a magnum opus like it is it is it just it becomes this really cool vehicle that you feel like as you drive it around like you know that you've built this vehicle the way it, the way it is and and it's funny because at times in the game you're forced to like get in an enemy's vehicle and like drive it around and when you get into that vehicle and drive it around you really realize how good your car has become like in the handling and the acceleration do you feel um, like there's a lot of opportunities to customize it differently or is it kind of like just like yes. an upgrade path or is it yes. does it really no. branch off where yeah. you can so, make yeah, that's ahead, a great question. Ahead, no, that's a great question because there's so there's there's different stats. So there's cool things. So you have your car and there's like there's like 12 different categories and there's like five or six upgrades per category. So you can like, you know, there's like ton of things you can do but there's also your your, it's almost like you have like your rpg stats for your car that like cover like attack defense handling acceleration top speed uh weaponry um and uh and so some of these yeah there's a there's a give and take with some of these stats so let's say like a good example is so so throughout the game you're like early part of the game you're gathering v6 engines your big goal is to get your first v8 engine once you get your first v8 engine then you can get even better ones until i still haven't gotten the final two because they're really expensive and they require you to do some pretty intense stuff in the game um but you know, so those are those increase your top your your they, those increase your acceleration of your vehicle, but the, they're heavier engines, right? So as you put them on your vehicle, your handling goes down. Well, as you get better tires, the better traction, they increase your handling. Well, um, one of the biggest things I find interesting is you can also put armor on your car that increases the defense, or you can also put rams on the front of your car. So like grill, they're basically grills, but the final one is like it looks like a you know almost looks like a, a hardcore ram. yeah like not really quite like a bearing, but like a hardcore like almost like shovel like a snow shovel like sticking out with spikes <laughs> and stuff like that and and these have massive weight, so like your your acceleration drops massively, and your handling. And same thing with the armor, right? The armor beefs up your defensiveness, so like when a car comes in and rams you, it doesn't do as much damage. But the same thing. Um, and so there is a give and take. So you can have, you can put, you could max everything out and have a super powerful, super defensive vehicle that has a pretty good top speed, but it it, it will it will not, you know, it'll take a couple seconds to get going, and it does not handle, you know, worth crap. You know, it is going to be sliding all over the place. Like it's going to be pretty hard to control. Or you go the opposite direction, have like, you know, basically the your basic grill, your basic armor, have like a speed demon vehicle. You're getting around the desert super fast, but if you get into a confrontation, you're gonna be relying on some of your other weapons. Then, like, you're really not gonna want to be slamming into vehicles. There are some other cool, cool, um, 
features you can get on your car besides the battery ram to do damage. Um, one of them, actually, I know, uh, and I know we've talked about a Penny Arcade a car- comic that had come out about the uh, the harpoon, but the harpoon is a really cool weapon. Um, of men. Yeah, and you can get you basically you can get this harpoon installed on your car that you can upgrade, and you can basically you can do all kinds of things with this. You can pull down towers that have snipers in them that are shooting at you. You can pull tires off of enemy vehicles to to stop them in their tracks. You can pull drivers out of their own vehicles. You can uh, you can do all kinds of cool cool stuff with this harpoon that is just really exciting. Um, it really makes me. I don't know if you guys have followed uh, um, Just Cause Three at all, but uh, the same studio is working on Just Cause Three, and there's, he has a grappling hook in that game, and it really makes me excited for that game because uh, <laughs> um, it looks. Like this, I'm no, yeah, it's just that kind of freedom. But yeah, so so I kind of covered actually a couple of points I was going to cover, but I think the car combat's really cool, the handling's really cool, and, and I think one thing I was going to touch on was that customization matters, and I think that's that's something that I've really enjoyed. Is like, you know, a lot of games out there, they seem like they have RPG elements in them, um, but, uh, but uh, you know, I don't, uh, um, I think, uh, you know, I mean, I don't, I'm trying to think of the word to say. I think if you know, some games they 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 kind of put like a like they they put it on the face, but like it doesn't like even though it's cool to like upgrade something, you don't really feel the difference. And I feel like in this game, you really feel the difference um, as you as you level up. Um, and it just I mean a couple of the things I really like about the game. Um, it is a beautiful game. <laughs> like I remember, I I just don't know. I mean, it's hard to describe how beautiful like how beautiful a wasteland can be, right? Because I mean, this is really a wasteland. But one cool thing about the game is that the different areas of the game. There's four. There's like four major major sections, and these are big. They, I mean, the game is really huge. But uh, like you start out in an area that used to be an ocean, and so it's a dried up ocean. So like you're driving along, and there's like coral, like like coral, uh, you know, buildups. Like occasionally you can drive into, you know, like it feels like it was an ocean valley. Um, but as you go into other areas, they like they kind of are, you know, you can feel the different environments. So, like, eventually, like, one of the last areas you go into is very reminiscent of, uh, like, just, like, an old-school, like, like civilized world. Like, like kind of, like, more of a Western. Like, it's in Australia, I think, is where Mad Max normally takes place. But, like, if you think of, like, out west in America, if you were thinking of, like, if it was a wasteland, like, where there's, like, butts in the distance and it's just, like, very red sand and these broken-down highways and, like, electrical wires just, like, kind of hanging everywhere. Like, just really cool um, design went into it. Um... And and just uh, the small touches. Um, there's just some really cool small touches in the game. You know what I mean? Like, uh, um, yes. One... But are there lens flares? Lens flares? I think there are lens flares. Actually, yeah. I think that uh, if you there's so there's actually a built-in camera mode in the game, which is cool. If you push in both analog sticks, it actually makes this camera mode where you can move the camera all around, do all kinds of cool things, change iris, change stuff, and like take really cool shots. But uh, I think you can get some lens flares in there. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was an interesting question. <laughs> um, but Man uh, cares a lot about lunch. Yeah, yeah. Cut him, cut him apparently, some apparently he's an aficionado of J.J. Abrams. Um, but uh, like one, one thing is cool. Like so, the combat's really fun. But like, so there's these different out, uh, outposts you have to go into and like take over. Basically, that's one. That's one of the things Assassin's you can check Creed off. Style. Yeah. So one game I've seen it compared to a lot too is like Far Cry Four, which I haven't played. But I think that Far Cry Four is similar mechanic where there were like different forts you had to go in and take over and like clear out enemies and stuff like that. But uh, but so there's the opposite to go in and take over, and so there's a number of different enemies you go into. Combat can get really repetitive, but it also is very visceral. So I think that's what keeps it really engaging. Is it's very very violent. I mean, this definitely is an M-rated game. But like you know, you were like taking guys down, like you know, like breaking limbs and like you know, shoving shivs in their head and and all. You know, I don't know. It uh, it's very intense. But but there's these enemies in most camps that are hanging from a, like a crane, they're called war criers. And they're basically these guys who like cheer on their troops. And so as soon as they detect you, a bar starts to fill on the screen. If it gets full, all of the enemies get buffed up, like their damage. And which early on, early on in the game, yeah, it's like a hanging insane 
post-apocalyptic bard. Um, but so basically, uh, they you know early on in the game it's not a big deal, but later in the game like fights can get pretty difficult and so they're pretty annoying. But what you can do is you can either go in. Well, normally what I'll do is I'll go in right away and kill them. Um, you can also not kill them right away, kill all the enemies and just kind of let them hang there. And if you do, they. Uh, They'll just start saying random things that are actually really funny. Like they'll like they'll like just like yeah, you know, like you'll be hanging there watching them, and they'll be like, uh, "So do you need someone who can uh, yell really loud, like to spur you on a battle, like you know, or like you know they'll say something like that, or they'll be like, you know that they say never kill the war crier, and like just you know they just have these weird little sayings that they'll throw out, um, you know, just like why you know if you let them live and for a little bit and just listen to what they're saying. Um, so just there's a lot of little touches in the game. It's really cool. It's really big. Um, there are some there are some problems. It, like like I said, it, the game can get very repetitive, and so I think. I wasn't feeling a lot of that. Like I've put about 60 hours in this game. And so the first, like I would say 40 hours or so, like I wasn't feeling that there was enough to keep me going and feel fresh more. So now I've just been playing like every once in a while, a couple hours at a time, uh, because it is like, it has gotten to the point where if you play too much at one time, it starts to feel, it starts to get old, but it's still, it's still fun. And then there, there, I've run into a number of bugs playing it as well, which I think with a game that big, I think with almost any, any, any open world game, you're going, there's going to be some bugs. Um, so, I mean, there's been some annoying bugs. I don't think there's been any game-breaking bugs, but just sometimes, like, he'll, like, just weird things will happen. So. And you're playing, you're playing this on PS4? Yeah, yeah. So, and that was one of the things about the game. Is it available on PS on other consoles as well? Yeah. Or? So, like I said, it's a next gen game. So, I th- I believe it's PC, PS4, and Xbox One. Um, originally, when it was being developed, because I guess this game's been in development for quite a bit of time. I guess it was announced like maybe like five, six years ago. But uh, it was actually going to be on PS3 and Xbox 360. But as they were developing, they're like, we just can't do this on on old systems, and so they cut the hmm. cut the last generation systems out and did only only. Um, I guess this is a quick aside. Apparently, the PC port is fantastic, which is something that you know, like freak, like most recent games, like Batman: Arkham Knight, which basically have been like they've stopped selling the game on PC because the port was so bad, has been a pretty big thing in its favor. Like everybody who's bought the PC port is like, this is amazing. Like this plays smooth as silk on PC, just like really great port. So, hmm. well, very good. Yeah, I mean, it definitely sounds sounds like something that that uh, is worth checking out at least. All right, uh, I know everybody is chomping at the bit to hear from Van because he hasn't really gotten a lot of FaceTime today, but we're going to take our break first, and then we'll come back with Van's uh, what's in his console after these messages. Yo, 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 I ain't got no shame about the games I'm playing. I say, is it insane for me to play all day? Now my friends are all doing it. My girl is cool with it. So pop in the disc and play your station like this. We are back with the Focus Target Podcast, and I'm sorry to keep you all waiting, but Van, what is on your playlist, my friend? Um, I'm not really playing games right now anymore. been doing more oh. reading. Oh, reading lately. is, a, is yeah. a very good pursuit. I recommend that people read. The Dictionary? No, like one of the One of the exciting ones. Books. <laughs> the, the Urban Dictionary? <laughs> you know, exciting. Encyclopedia F3K oh. is really, uh, where is really solid. Yeah, what are you playing, Van? All right, so Van, who is myself, and I will not talk in the third person, is playing Metal Gear Phantom Pain. It's the newest um, ex- addition to the Metal Gear series, which New is abundant Gear. as always. So it's a big series, it's, Van. It's it's a little one. You may have heard of it a couple times. I think they have like one, two, or twelve games out um, across you know one, two, or eight Fantasy. different platforms. So. 
It is the Phantom Pain. It actually takes place after um, Ground Zero, which was the two hour, two or three hour demo that you got for PS4. Um, as and so it takes place after that, and then it takes place before the original OG Metal Gear, which was for the Nintendo console. Not SNES, but Nintendo console back in like 87 or something like that. So Metal Gear, not to be confused with Metal Gear Solid, which is exactly. where I think a lot of people came into it on the PlayStation. Right, and that is true. And speaking of coming into it on the PlayStation, um, this may be, some people may not have played. We may have younger listeners who didn't go through all the other Metal Gears, and it's a common question that I get often when I'm talking about Metal Gear, and it is, do you have to have played the rest of the games in the series? And the answer, the simple answer is no. You're not going to get any additional benefits with the exception of reoccurring characters and possibly seeing where they go in the future with some of the old games. And I know that sounds confusing, but a lot of the old games actually took place in the future. So you just kind of get to see how they are now. But with regards to playability and storyline, not necessarily. You but isn't just jump that in because the storyline doesn't make any sense anyway? So what does it matter? So Metal Gear Solid Five, Phantom <laughs> <laughs> <Fact of pain. laughs> It's a really fun game. Um, one one of the biggest uh, aspects, I'll, I'll talk to you about a few of the pros, and then I really only have one con. But um, one of my favorite things about it is the open worldness of it, which is like worlds over what Mad Max open world is. Just so if anybody's wondering. Interesting. So I'm just kidding. I'm unqualified to say that as I haven't played Mad Max. It's just an inside joke that Shy and I have been going back and forth about. So the open worldness is awesome. A lot of the Metal Gears were very linear. So although it's supposed to be about tactical espionage and you're supposed to have all these tips and tricks within your bag, you can only approach the enemy from one dimension. And that's how all the previous ones were. Well, Hideo Kojima, who was the producer and a lot of times the writer and a lot of times director um, on all the Metal Gears, um, one of his biggest gripes was that he wanted an open world feel. You know, if you're talking about real tactical espionage, I want to be able to have a drop point where I want it, not where the game's linear map design makes you go and what door it makes you go through and whatnot. So um, the open worldness is really enjoyable. It's absolutely stunning in its beauty. Um, right now, you know, uh, without getting too many spoiler alerts, I'm, I'm in Afghanistan and and it's um, it's just amazing looking. It's dusty, it's windy, it's just exactly what you would expect Afghanistan to to be and feel like. Um, but it's it's very beautiful, it's very good looking. The open world is awesome, and um, one of the cool things about being open world is the ability to gather and craft. Um, in the game. So much like I think it was a PSP version, I can't remember what it's called, um, the PSP Metal Gear, but it had um, Mother Base and it also had crafting. Well, was in this that, game, wasn't that Metal Gear Acid? No. Is that the one or was, was that a different one? No. That was one of the portable ones. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't that one. I can't remember what it is. I'll, I'll look it up. Or one of you guys want to look it up while I'm talking here um, for the PSP. So, anyways, um, you can you actually can gather um, medicinal um, you know like plants and things like that and you can make like cigars you can make medicine you know for um, suppression for um, injuries or energy or things like that uh, so it brings a lot of MMO aspects into the game so of course you have character development you have weapon development you have gear development all that stuff in an open world it is single player so it's not MMO but it's just a very fun overall enjoyable game and in addition to all the beauty and all the gathering and all the crafting and all the other cool stuff that they've introduced this year to this um, generation of the game, there's also an e it's an evolving game. 
And what I mean by that is if you, there's replayable missions. So of course there's a checklist of, you know, one through six, um, complete a mission without being detected or complete a mission without killing someone or whatnot. So there's these six items. So for completion's sake, for those of you who really enjoy the game, like myself, I want to go back and try these missions again. And I want to try to see if I can nail all six of them and, you know, become the best, the best, uh, you know, spy I could be. So when you go back, if you've been approaching it from, say, the same door every single time, you go back on the third time, there's probably going to be an extra guard standing on that door. Or if you go through that door and you're, you know, doing headshots all the time with a, with a, um, so, um, what's it called? The stun uh, gun, which basically Taser. puts them to sleep. Yeah. The, yeah. Well, it's, it's a tranquilizer. So if you're going oh, through yeah, tran tranking everybody... Yeah. This time, next time you come through, they're going to be wearing helmets, so you can't tranquilize them. So, like, the, the scene's always evolving. You have to re-evaluate your tactics um, on the fly for the missions. Uh, so far, it's really, really exciting. I'm really looking forward to the multiplayer because, you know, let's face it, every game's a lot more enjoyable with your friends. Um, so, with this game being as enjoyable as it is solo player, I can just imagine how much fun it's going to be in the future. Um, currently, you can attack other people's mother base, which is your home base. Um, you know, you need to get people to defend the base. You need to get weapons to defend a base and all that stuff. And there's an option to actually invade other people's mother base and have them invade you. So you're doing that 1v1. But then the full online that I'm looking to, so there's really two modes of online. The full online mode I'm looking really looking forward to is the open online team versus team control, deathmatch, all the other stuff that we, we saw from, I think it was on the original Sons of Liberty, or not the original, but the Sons of Liberty for PS3 was the one of the first um, multiplayer Metal Gear, so I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be a lot of fun. My only con, and this may shock a few people, but it probably won't for those of you who've been playing Metal Gear for a long time, is that the cutscenes are absolutely not long enough. I I, I love the cutscenes. I love the cin uh, cinematics of, of you know completing a mission and then just sitting back for 30 minutes and enjoying your reward after that boss fight and literally watching this cutscene. I know that was some people's biggest gripes. That's actually one of my favorite things. Um, the cutscenes in this game are anywhere from honestly 45 seconds to maybe like th three and a half minutes maybe five minutes tops so i wish the cutscenes were long again that was really enjoyable man were you were you uh is the psp one that you're thinking of was that a uh, peace peace walker mm -hmm. that's the one peace walker peace walker introduced mother base and crafting and um they carried over because it was such a big hit um now it's also introduced on the next gen console thank you shy yeah thank you wikipedia and to clean up our other portable game that couldn't be remembered live, um, the Kingdom Hearts game I was referring to earlier in the podcast was Kingdom Hearts Recoded. Uh, if anybody's played that, that's got a similar plot line to Final Fantasy Record Keeper. Hmm. All right. Uh, anything I, else I, on Mojo? Uh, you got a couple questions? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't think this is a spoiler because I think this was actually one of the big advertising things for Metal Gear. But uh, in a lot of the commercials, a lot of the pictures, there are pictures of him using balloons in very interesting ways. Can yes. you speak to that, man? Because that seemed pretty yeah, like a so nice comical and, humorous. Yeah, yeah. And it's not it's not a uh, spoiler because it is one of the first things you actually learn in the game. Uh, the balloon, that's actually how you recruit people to your mother base. So when you're crafting, when you're gathering, you have a research and development team and you have a support team. Support team, you can summon helicopters, gunships, things like that. The research and development team, they do just that. They research new weapons for you so that when you're crafting them, you say, hey, R&D, go research that thing. Well, 
there's no personnel on mother base when you start out you have to get those people from the field so what you do is you'll trank someone you'll knock someone out you'll do something when they're knocked out you actually put this extraction pack on them the balloon kind of hovers for a second and then it just shoots right up into the sky and <laughs> takes them to mother base it's hilarious every i it's so funny doing it in like the middle of a crowd and it will draw attention obviously but it's just hilarious seeing it and they scream when they go to <laughs> in fact uh, never mind i don't want to talk about it it is a spoiler but yeah there's there's some funny stuff all i have to say is try extracting everything you possibly can and you'll know what i mean hmm. yeah that sounds that sounds intriguing uh shy anything else um, uh, new metal gear no further questioning judge Alrighty. Uh, Objection. Overruled. Hold it. I'm. <laughs> Wait a moment. Take okay. that. Um, we're going to each go through. I think one more very briefly as we're as we're running low on time, and then we're going to talk a little bit about just a couple games on the horizon that we're that we're still looking forward to. Probably games we've mentioned before, but we're going to mention them again because that's what we do on this podcast. Um, the next game I want to talk about very briefly is Diablo Three. So uh, many people have kind of an on again off again relationship with Diablo Three, where they play it when a new patch or a new expansion comes out and have a lot of fun with it. And then, you know, because Diablo can be a very repetitive game, they tend to, to kind of fall off. But, um, uh, and I, and I count myself in that particular demographic, but the newest patch, which is patch 2.3 was released a couple of weeks ago. And, um, it is, it is really, uh, it's really kind of invigorated me on Diablo three. It's a, it's a really interesting patch. And the thing that they added that is, that is kind of game breaking is they added a new Horodric cube. Um, and it has a plethora of functions to it, um, that allow you to really have a little bit better control over your gear and what gear you're getting. Uh, and it also has the ability for you to destroy some of your legendary weapons and extract the properties that are on that legendary weapon for you to use as a character um, just freely. So there is all of a sudden this whole like legendary collection uh, aspect to the game where you're always excited to get new legendaries because even if it's not something you have an immediately use for or it's not necessarily a better piece of gear than what you're currently wearing, the ability on that legendary still could be useful situationally or just you know is something you maybe you want to add to your arsenal so um if you have diablo 3 um you should definitely check it out uh, see what's new because it, it it has added a kind of a new dimension to the game and, um i believe that patch is live both on the pc and the uh, and the console versions of the game so smiley yes i know there are a plethora of classes in diablo 3 what uh what are you playing currently uh, the my class in Diablo three is the witch doctor. Um, I have a couple others leveled. I have a, a sorcerer and a and a barbarian at max level. But uh, the witch doctor is what I've really been gearing out. And um, since the new patch came out, I've been able to turn like I've been able to complete a number of the like legendary class specific sets, which really can kind of change how you play and really up your damage. Um, like in the course of a week, I went from playing on torment two difficulty to torment six difficulty. So it just shows you like what a difference the cube has made in being able to get gear that's relevant and better for your job. Um, the other thing about Diablo uh, is I think there's a lot of speculation that maybe there's another major expansion coming, which the last major expansion, which was um, was a Reaper of Souls. Yes. Um, was pretty good and added a new class, added a new act, and added a bunch of new stuff. So I think people are kind of excited for that. I don't think there's been any official release, but 
it seems like the developers are still actively supporting Diablo, and it seems like they wouldn't do that if there wasn't an expansion, perhaps, planned. Shy, what else do you have? Yeah, well, I mean, I've just been playing, I know we're going to talk about it next week, I've been playing a little bit of Destiny still, but I've been playing, uh, I've been keeping up with 14, which I know both of you guys have played in the past, I know you're still playing a little bit Smiley, but uh, bit, I don't think yeah. you guys are super active in that anymore, I'm still trying to stay active in that a little bit, I've been uh, leveling uh, um, the Summoner class, um, I've taken it to 50 um, back in the ARR, but uh, in Realm Reborn, but with Heaven's Sword coming out, you know, with a 60 cap increase, I've been trying to get that to 60, and they've made some cool changes with the class, um, giving them some more versatility when it comes to AoE damage, and also so uh, if anyone's played Summoner in 14, like they relied on something called Aetherflow a lot. And so like every couple minutes you could, well, not every couple minutes, but every like probably minute or so, maybe four to five seconds, you could pop these Aetherflow stacks and you use, you need them to use certain abilities. Well, the problem is once you use those abilities, then you're basically waiting for the next time you can use that. So there's like this dead time. And they've kind of, um, apparently to my understanding is as I get closer to 60, there's mechanics they've added to kind of make the class play smoothly even between that cooldown so i'm really looking forward to apparently around like 58 60 it gets like pretty consistent like in the damage just like all the time but uh but yeah still enjoying that game the game is still so just you know just so beautiful soundtrack is just amazing uh they recently did the um the two-year um i forget what the event was called but the two-year like um event basically celebrating two years release the, the and revival a, or something the, the rising like, uh, the rising was, was, was it the rising i thought i don't know i thought it had a really something weird like name um but it was really cool it was basically what you did this quest went into this room where basically the developers were in like they basically made like there were avatars in this room of each of the developers like not each but some of them basically just thanking the players for playing it was really kind of heartfelt and really kind of just you know shows you these are humans that are you know they're working hard to make a game that you enjoy it was, it was it was really cool. It, it, was, it was The Rising. The Rising 2015. Alright. Alright, Van, what do you got? So when I'm not playing Destiny, like we'll talk about later, which seems to be a recurring thing, um, and when I'm not playing Metal Gear, and I just started with the Monster Hunter, I am playing Planetside 2. I'm really glad we agreed as a group to come back to it. Um, I know some of us play more than others, and that's absolutely fine, but I, I'm glad we made a, a trip back down memory lane and played Planetside 2. I'm really impressed with how well it's kept up. It's still um, a really, really fun first-person shooter, MMO, so it's super massive, a couple hundred people all at the same time as we talked about before. Um, but you know, the people are the game itself. The game would be nothing without the players, and it's just a lot of fun. You know, the differentiation in classes, where you know you absolutely need to have that kind of holy trinity with a medic, and then of course a, a heavy assault to breach the door the first time, and then your support, whether it be engineer for ammo or something like that. Um, just a really, really good time, really fun playing Planet Side. Um, hardcore into it lately just joined outfit outfit x on connery server and we're on the nc so shout out to my boys out there um hopefully i'll be playing it for a lot longer it's a lot of fun so uh planet side 2 plus my wife plays so that obviously makes the game that much more enjoyable so and she's a great gunner too you know what they say van the family that plays together stays together that's true yeah van van's wife is is pretty awesome at planet side too you don't want to mess with her true indeed uh, the last game I'm going to talk about, Super. I'm not even really going to talk about it, I'm just going to mention it, because I always never get into it, but uh, I'm still on my quest to get the Platinum Trophy for Final Fantasy X, uh, the HD remastered. It's uh, long and low, go long, as a, I don't even know what I'm saying, like I don't have words for it, because it's beaten me down over time, but... Arduous. Every every day I take a step closer to, to finishing that game and probably never playing it again in my, the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> 
And so, looking ahead, there's a couple games that are on the horizon that I think all of us are looking forward to. Uh, the first one I'm going to mention is, and we've talked about it a number of times, Battlefront 3, Star Wars Battlefront 3, which is slated for a November release, I think. Um, as, as we've mentioned, we're all kind of playing different games, and right now there's not a game that all three of us are playing together, which uh, happens happens throughout throughout the course of human history that we part ways and come back together as different games rise and fall in our favor and i think we're kind of i am battlefront 3 is the game that the three of us will get to kind of have a bit of a reunion on so that's one that i'm very much looking forward to um van you had one that i know you wanted to mention yeah there's a really uh, good game coming out actually in, and i'm really excited to announce guys it just came out yesterday it's called kitten squad it's by PETA. yes that PETA. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to tackle the terrible wooling industry and free all these sheep that are caught inside a pen. Because uh, it's it's really that's, okay. That's just a joke, guys. We're not really excited about that one, but we well, are excited. <laughs> it is a real game, though. Is what I understand. It is absolutely so, a real game. <laughs> you know, if if I know, I can speak for at least one of our listeners that loves fluffy little kittens as animals. So, <laughs> no, maybe I I am sure there's a demographic amongst our listeners that might uh, find that interesting. So, all right, go get know, it, guys. That's, what we're, that's what we're here squad. for. You'll, you'll, you'll feel better when you're is done it on playing, mobile. Sure. What uh, what is it on uh, yeah, PS4, platform? three? I, is it Xbox One? Uh, I have no idea. Guys, you come into this podcast. Was Kojima involved? Like, what kind of pedigree <laughs> no. does this game have? <laughs> yeah, is this a sequel? Or, uh, <laughs> yeah, hmm. it looks like what it's time on frame? PS4. What era it does like it take PS4. place in? What it's universe? A PS4 game, believe that. Oh, Pl- planned DLC. Can we expect it? <laughs> so, anyways, I'm looking forward to Rock Band. I'm going to take that one away from you guys. Um, rock Band's really fun. I mean, anybody who's ever played any Rock Band, yeah, Rock Band 4 is coming out. Um, unfortunately, that means new peripherals. Speaking of peripherals oh earlier. Boy. So that's going to be new money. Um, but I'm really excited about it. I can't wait to play with these guys who you all come to love, hopefully. Um, Shy and Smiley, we'll just start a band, and I'm sure we'll get some streaming going on at some point. So stay tuned to it. Rock Band 4 is coming out, guys. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be fun, and I can't wait. I yeah, think st- the release date still just says 2005 from what I can see. Or, I'm sorry, 2015 uh, from what I can see. Um, I think Q4 oh, I see, I see in October. I, I see an October 6th as a tentative date, which that's mm-hmm. a lot closer than I realized if that's yeah, true. Yeah, I think it's soon. Um, uh, and I think according to what – and I think though they do are offering new peripherals. I believe at least last I heard they are trying to work – they're working very hard in being able to make – Maybe I think it is the wired any wired peripherals be able to be compatible. Yes. With, uh, yeah, any of the with, USB wired um, ones. They're, yeah, they're, they're doing it to... the best they can make it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I think they're really trying to to do that. Um, well, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna say well, unless smiley. Please, say. please, shy. What do you got? I was gonna talk about a game too. Um, one that uh maybe not all of us are ex- as excited about as 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 everyone. Uh, whatever I, i'm having trouble speaking as well but uh persona 5 <laughs> is coming out uh soon i believe i'm I, i'm not sure if it's actually set for this fall it may be next year but uh um not having a huge experience uh, huge background of the persona series but having a lar- fairly decent background with shin megami tensei um these games have loads of style and normally have great gameplay i know smiley got me into persona 3 a bit which i played on the um the vita uh, persona 4 not 3 4 um no, I, but uh, uh yeah yeah, I think you like three, but uh, I mean, yeah. I, ne- I never played the, four, but I but love you recommended the series to me. Right? So I picked good. up, yeah, I picked up four yeah. on Vita and, and really enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, Persona Five looks really good. Um, just super stylish. Um, whatever they've shown us, and uh, and and if you like JRPGs and you like kind of like stylish, um, and strategic combat, I'm sure it's gonna be a great game when it does come out. Yeah, all I see is 2015. 
We don't, oh, don't see. I don't see. I don't see a date for it. But I see 2015 as. Uh, so maybe maybe it will be this year for sure. Though. As a, it says confirmed 2015 release date, but they don't have an actual. Probably date. Christmas then. Probably around Christmas Pro- to kind of boost sales. Yeah, I would. I would guess, but you never know. All right, guys. Well, uh, that's about it. Anybody have anything else they want to mention before we before we wrap this up? All right, I'm no, gonna take that as an absolutely not smiley. Get to the spiel, and here it comes. Uh, if you want to reach out to the Focus Target podcast, and we would love to hear from you, uh, we can be found on Twitter at Focus Target. We can be found on the YouTube's, which is probably where you're listening to this right now. We're working on getting uh, an iTunes feed so that you can just get this delivered directly to your door, uh, but that's still in in process. If you'd like to shoot us an email, uh, focustargetpodcast at gmail.com is where we're to be found. And we do have a blog, focustarget.wordpress.com. Our next podcast, to give you a little teaser, we're going to be going back to the Destiny uh, the Destiny Mothership. Uh, we try to, uh, tried to avoid talking about it a little bit today. Uh, we're going to go into the Taken King and do some reviews, some analysis, and uh, answer some of your burning questions about the newest Destiny expansion. Uh, so uh, thanks again for listening. We'd love to have you. Uh, as always, I am Smiley. This is Shy. Get hyped. And I'm Van. As always, cover us, Porkins. We're out. <laughs>